Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on this podcast, we like to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We then share those stories. I am excited to have someone I've never met before on the show, which is how I usually like to do this. Um, it's awesome to get to know people on the show. So today I'll introduce you to Emily Alexander. Emily, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk and meet with you too. Well, um, I did do a little peeking in your background, which I don't always do. Sometimes it's um, more fun just to, you know, discover, reveal, unveil, and be totally authentic on the show. Um, but I thought I had known you, right? So I'm like, I know an Emily Alexander. Is that the same woman? No, it is not. So I'm so glad to get to know you on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a mother of two girls and a stepmother to a daughter and another son. Uh, I am a partner in uh, my law firm, Thomas Alexander Forrester and Sorensen. And I am also uh, currently the board chair of New Road School, a private independent school here in Los Angeles. And I think those three things cover the majority of uh, what I do and care about. I was just going to say, I think that we call people like you busy, very busy. <laughs> um, that's incredible. So I have a blended family as well. That in and of itself can be a full-time job. Um, lots of love to share and attention to spread around, but to be an attorney as well as a volunteer um, on a board. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about your board service? What's the goal and the mission at the New Roads School? So New Roads is committed to what we call sort of authentic diversity. Um, and the reason that I sent my two girls there and then became involved is that I really believe in the power and the importance of being around people who are not like you. Um, and New Roads is committed to socioeconomic diversity, what we call neurodiversity. They have a program for high functioning kids on the spectrum, um, as well as racial, ethnic, whatever, every kind of diversity we believe in. And what I, what's different about New Roads is a lot of independent schools say, oh, you know, we, we believe in diversity, but New Roads puts, the money where it needs to be in order to make that happen. So approximately 50% of our families receive financial aid. We have, um, we're also committed to having a, an admin and faculty and board that reflects the diversity that we believe in. So 40% of our faculty and admin are of color. Um, so, and I've been on the board now for seven years and board chair for, I think this is, I'm going into my sixth year. And it has been um, both personally extraordinarily fulfilling in learning how to be a different kind of leader. Um, you know, being a litigator is one thing, but working with another group of what I would call peers, you know, other volunteers is a very different thing. I can't just have my way and make right. my argument. I have to be inclusive and, and enroll people uh, in a different way than I had learned to do before. But then it's also, you know, for a, a mission that I believe is incredibly important for the individual students that we have now, but I think it's also important for this country, um, you know, to figure out a way for there to be authentic diversity that lifts everybody up. 
I can't believe, you know, it's almost people who know me and follow the show regularly probably think I wrote that script for you because (laughs) (laughs) we are so aligned. It's unbelievable. Now, you don't know this about me because my podcast is what I do for a living out of my company called Freeman Means Business, which usually focuses on communications and inclusive communications, how to create diversity through civil political discourse, civil, civil discourse of all kinds, curiosity of others. But my other business is called the Conscious Inclusion Company. So Uh I teach on everything you just talked about. I am a huge fan of what you're doing. I not only, you know, I I believe we have to go beyond putting a statement on your website and actually take actions at the, you know, practices, policies, pay and pipeline. Um, So you are singing my song, lady. This is awesome. (laughs) When we are off uh, the recording, I'll I'll offer you, um, you know, and learn more from you. I'll ask you some questions, offer you any resources, share with you what I, you know, I have a website you can go to and take whatever you want from it, right? So it might help your cause. Um, I love what you do. This is incredible. Hey, being a litigator is okay too. I know a lot of litigators. (laughs) I'm married to a litigator. I have to say... um, I've trained probably 1,800 attorneys, 80% of them were litigators, um, but I like what you do as a volunteer probably more than I like what you sure. do your job. And then it is tough to make that transition. You know, um, litigators are paid to be right, afraid to be wrong, risk averse. They know the answers before they ask the questions. But when you're a leader in a position that you are at uh, the, the New Road School, then you have to um, be able to have win-win, right? Not just- yeah zero-sum game. So it does take a major mind shift to open and, and be curious about the other and empathetic and listen with empathy and not judgment. So bravo to you for doing that for seven years. And probably you did that long before you even became involved there. It's the kind of person you are. Um, people who do what we do don't do it. You know, nobody's in DEI for the money. <laughs> yeah, that is, but, true. That, that is true. Otherwise, go definitely- be yeah, hedge fund trader, if you are a <laughs> yeah, hedge right. fund manager, I should say. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? Uh, forming my own firm. And I did it actually a week before I was about to find out whether I made partner at a very large uh, law firm that I was at before. Um, and I was pretty sure I was going to make partner. And I was thinking to myself, if you're gonna leave, you gotta do it before they make you partners, just not right. And right. so I just put in my resignation and said, we're gonna, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna form a firm with these two other attorneys and we're just gonna make it happen. We didn't have a client, we didn't have an office, that's for sure. We kind of had just the idea that we really liked working with each other and we thought we could do it. I think that's amazing. I know a lot about litigators. I know a lot about law firms. I know the the role of management of a law firm and can you really can you really manage a law firm truly? Um, all those strong and smart personalities and people. It's um, you know tough. And the fact that you had the courage to break off and do your own thing. What was a lesson you learned in? Uh, you know, I'm sure your firm doesn't look like, sound like, or operate like the large law that you left or the firm that you left. What was a lesson you learned in this uh, decision or transition? 
I would say, you know, we certainly don't look anything like any other law firm that we've ever encountered because our office is actually in a house uh, a block from the beach in Venice, California. And Sweet. as far as we know, we're the only ones who are doing that. Um, That's I would my say, kind of lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, you know, just a continuing belief that, you know, if I and my partners think this is the right thing to do, regardless of whether it's been done before or it's not establishes the right way to do it let's just do it our way because if otherwise it's not going to feel good and we're never right. going to do it as well as we could have if we were just doing what we wanted to do from the first place so it's driven from the inside out i love that that's what the best idea the best ideas come from a deeper more meaningful place right the inside not just what looks good or is popular or you know has worked for others well good for you for being so courageous um I, I, I'm looking forward to learning more about your firm, actually. You're kind of, I, I, you know, I have a, a huge circle in legal, like professional services have been my world for 18 years. Um, mm -hmm. I was in-house, I worked at Thomson Reuters, I worked with law firms, I worked at law firms. Um, so I'm eager to learn more about these beach beach lawyers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lawyers on the beach, that's cool, that's very cool. Exactly. Well, let me ask you, did you have a mentor? Did someone inspire you along the way? You know, I've been asked that question before, and no, uh, I really didn't. And I think that's kind of what got me to where I am, which is a very strong belief in, you know, if I think it's the right thing to do, just go do it. Because over and over again, I did look for role models uh, professionally and really didn't find anything that looked right to me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's not a ton of female litigators, or at least there weren't when right. I got started. And, you know, there's good reasons for that. It's very travel intensive, uh, you know, time intensive. It's hard to, you know, have a family at the same time. Um, and the woman that I did see, I frankly didn't want to turn out like that, that just they were making choices and sacrifices that weren't okay for me. Uh, and also, I would say they were doing it in a way that didn't feel authentic to me. Um, despite being a litigator, I'm not a particularly antagonistic person and don't enjoy sitting in that space very much. Uh, so it was over and over again, you know, it was really, you just got to do what you think you, you, is best for you and feels right for, for you. And I followed that and I keep on following that. And it's really now the only way I know how to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'll say I've recognized in a lot of women that they have become the men that they wanted to combat or they have mm. felt they needed to mimic the behaviors of successful men in order to be successful themselves. And yeah. that shouldn't have to be the way it is. So I work hard to change that operating system to create safe space for women like you and me who do more we integrate you know work family all kinds of things right and we can we can do it um if we change the operating system so um i i agree i think a key part of that is you know is to say i am a woman therefore i am different from you know men and that's okay you know i never wanted to pretend that i was like guys because frankly i think that women can be i would say better and uh, you're safe on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would say, you know, in my experience, a confident woman is going to do a better job. So let's just build our confidence in ourselves and take it from there. 
and I think that's key what you said, confident, because it's the the those who are insecure that can wreak havoc for all of us, right? So be confident, love yourself, and then you can love others and do good work with others. Um, I, I also would like to say that um, women are more collaborative when they are confident and they're better at leading than men because they're not as hierarchical. They're transformational leaders. They seek feedback. They're not afraid to get input from others regardless of pay grade or title. So um, you're welcome to say women are better leaders. <laughs> we're nurturers, you know, we're, we're you know, even, even the most aggressive of women, uh, if they are confident, are still happy to seek feedback. It's a yeah. sign of respect, you know? Um, well, let me ask you, do you mentor anyone else now that you've become um, the rock star woman you are? Well, thank you. Um, yes, I mean, so there's been sort of two ways that I've done it. One was when we formed the firm, I knew quite a few women who had stopped being lawyers because of their children. Um, and what I did was I created uh, an of counsel position at the firm where the deal was they never had to come into the office. They could do everything remotely. If they took a project, they had to finish it, but they could turn down a project at any time, um, given, you know, no questions asked. And over the course of the firm's existence, I think I've had maybe 10 women. Nice. Because what happened was the first three stayed with us for probably six to seven years. And then now all of the first three are back in the workforce now that their children are, are um, older um, with full-time positions. And I really believe that because they could- Wow. They had the ongoing experience and could say on their resume that they never dropped out of the yes. It was really key for them to be able to go back and get the kind of positions. I mean, one's uh, in-house counsel at a hedge fund. Another one was, you know, like second in the legal department in the UC system. I mean, you know, one went to a startup as in-house. I mean, really great jobs for them. And uh, so that I, I, and we continue to do that. I currently have two women who are doing exactly that for us. What uh, a powerful gift, a great business model. And, you know, so rare, nobody does that. There's that, no, that having doesn't. to explain, people think that when you stay home to raise your kids, when you go back to work, that you must have negated all of the experience you've ever had yeah. or the education you had. I love that you're creating that pathway for these people. And, and, and it's a new way of thinking and a new way of doing business. I think we're gonna get a lot more of that out of this COVID crisis, working from home. A lot of people are gonna recognize the models need to change. I know, and I was started doing this 13 years ago because when we formed the firm, I insisted that everything be accessible remotely so that I could work from home. So it therefore meant that everybody could work from home. Right. So it was like, guys, this is easy. We just scan everything. Everything becomes digital and we have a good connection at the office. That's exactly. It. And nobody uh, had to get sick. Exactly. <laughs> nobody had to get sick. And it, you know, I, I will say, I mean, it allowed our firm to operate on a different model. For example, we've only had maybe two full-time associates throughout the the 13 years that we've had the firm because we like to keep it one I didn't want to manage a bunch of people because I like working um, as a lawyer not as a yeah. manager and uh, we typically you know 
get local counsel to help us and then but we could scale up or scale down depending on where we were with Example. our cases. Yeah. yeah, very nimble. So my husband used to have his own firm as well as practice as well was an elected official. And wow. he said he hated managing the firm. Like yeah. he just did not like that part of the job. So um, nice to have your name on the door, but that's, that's often a tough, you know, yeah. balance. Well, let exactly. me ask you, let's go back to women in business. How do you advise we can support one another? I, I really do think it's about confidence building. I think that if you are already a successful female leader, um, you know, it's about giving women who are junior to you more confidence. And that can mean like one thing that I've found very successful is just sort of the smaller compliments, you know, nice job running that meeting. You know, that was a really yes. good email to send, um, you know, a text that says, hey, when we're on a conference call, that was a great question or great way to handle that question. Um, you know, and that's a really easy thing to do. Doesn't take any time really or any effort, but I have found that that has been immensely important to the women under me or who I work with who consider me their boss or, you know, more established than them. Um, and I, it, to me, it's just a day-to-day -day thing that you can do to help build women's confidence because I do think that that is the key. I think women are different from men in how they yes. build their confidence and how they gain confidence and how they believe in themselves. And it really comes from outside inputs. Whereas I can't tell you how many men I've met who despite outcomes and reactions that should have told them that maybe they weren't doing the best job that they were should have been doing believe that they were rock stars oh, whereas yeah. a woman will see a you know a negative result or reaction and that can you know deflate her for a long time and live with her she'll keep that in her for a very long time so i think it's just the constant constant sort of support you know when when warranted um, right. that just builds you know, by block by block, a, a woman's confidence that really will lead to, I think, greater success and greater leadership. I agree. I agree. So have you ever read Dr. Deborah Tannen's books, uh, one of them in particular called Talking Nine to Five? She talks about how men show support and camaraderie by opposition and teasing each other and te tearing each other down and beating their chest. <laughs> And women just don't communicate that way. But I'm going to say, because we do still live in a world where white males have most of the power, they do not give those compliments and those little, you know, votes of confidence and, you know, great job in that meeting, good leadership style there, or right. you know, nice comment. They don't do that. And I think it's not so much that um, women need that. I think everyone needs that, right? It's just that yes. men don't do it, right? So... Um, I make those comments to men and women on, on my team and in my circle, and it makes all the difference in the world because we know even one negative comment can bring down the morale of the whole team, right? Agreed. Uh, and it lasts forever. They'll remember that one negative comment forever, right? Yep. So let's try to give some positive comments they'll remember forever. I love that approach, and it's not something costly or not. Mm -hmm. it doesn't take time. It's, it's not everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Yeah. I think that's a sign of a good leader as well. So kudos to you as well. 
what maybe was a challenge or a setback that you've overcome and if you're willing to share and how did you overcome it? Uh, I would say, so I have one from sort of my early career and then I have one that I'm kind of currently working on. So early on as a very, you know, first year associate, I realized that my gender was a real issue. And I had not experienced that prior to entering the legal workforce. That kind of just like, oh, the fact that I'm a woman is gonna be a real issue here. And, you know, not necessarily in a, it wasn't coming at me in, in a negative way. It was just like, these guys think I'm different because I'm a woman. And what am I gonna do with that, right? And that's really, it became a, a conscious thing that I was working on and trying to figure out um, and what I wanted to do with it. And I think eventually getting to the place where I was very comfortable being the only woman in the room, you know, the only woman in the courtroom, you know, and, and not feeling like that was a detriment, but making right. it a positive, which I believe I did. Uh, and I think, uh, I think I was able to do things in a way that men couldn't do, and that was a positive. And I think it's helped me a lot in my career finding that path. Um, and that made me very proud, honestly, to be to find a way that I felt that being a woman was not a negative and really actually making it into a positive. Uh, that was a real challenge. And I, I was very, I've been very happy that I managed to go down that path and not feel like, oh, I'm just going to pretend that I'm the same. Uh, you know, that story is exactly why this podcast exists. Now, I've never had a guest of the 200 guests I've had um, focus on gender bias, which is shocking because that's the world <laughs> I teach. That's the, the work I do. That Now, it may be the nature of the questions that I, you know, I lead them down a path of answering certain questions, but no one's ever hit the nail on the head like your life story just did. And that's the whole reason I created this podcast is because well, of gender bias. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to say, and so my current challenge is sort of follows on from that is, you know, I found success by embracing the fact that I, as a woman, I was different and I was going to make that work for me. And I think, you know, now at New Road School, I'm trying to promote, you know, real diversity and the idea that you can just put, you know, a person of color in the room and become diverse and that success to me is just like the idea of, oh, well, we're just going to, we're going to let women be lawyers and that's success. Tokenism. But, yeah, it's no, it doesn't work that way because- right then you're not acknowledging the differences that people bring, right? From their experience, from their gender, from their race. And to pretend that they don't exist is I think a huge fallacy and a disservice to all, frankly. So to me, it's, you know, working at the school and trying to both promote diversity at the school, but also really, you know, show it as a model of like, you know, this is where this country needs to go. It's about saying it's not enough just to have diverse people. You have to embrace that diversity. You have to show them why yeah. it's a positive and believe it and act on it uh, well, I, in a way I that I think say, we just don't do. I think, I, well, I always say this. I think diversity is what we know, right? That's easy, right? Diversity yeah. is easy checking the box, you know, and, and I think that a lot of white men who run the country still 
think that's enough. Uh, barely think that's enough. But if they do yeah. that, they, they think they're done, right? Yeah, but, exactly. So diversity is what we know, but inclusivity is what we do. That's an action item. You actually, you know, it's not enough to have check the boxes and, and make people feel like they're struggling to fit into the white male world. Yeah. Uh, they have to belong and and they can only belong if you sir change your attitude and become more curious about the other whatever the other might be so exactly. again diversity is what we know inclusivity is what we do let's close that knowing doing gap and that gap is huge all across this country um probably the globe but especially in this country today uh, so i work hard in in my other company to do just that close that gap People think, oh, we hired, you know, six black people, two women and an Asian guy. We're good. I'm yeah, like, no. are they getting paid? Are they making right. what the white man is making? Are they getting the stretch assignment, the big case? Or mm -hmm. are you just parading them around on the pitch team or putting them in your brochure or on your website, you know? So I am very provocative in this realm and I have ruffled <laughs> a lot of feathers, um, caused a lot of trouble. Um, good I like you. to yeah, making good trouble, like John Lewis says. Um, yeah. I've been doing that for quite a long time for the women's uh, issue. And, and then LGBTQ, that's part of my family as well. So um, I have a, a, a daughter who was in the Peace Corps and she met the love of her life there. And those two women are now married and about to have twins. So, wow, um, yeah. And then I thought, you know, this is about human rights. You know, why are, why am I just fighting for women? And so... Yeah. I use my voice for all, right? So equity, right? And equality as well. So let me ask you this. Can you tell us something surprising about yourself that maybe your circle doesn't know? Uh, yeah. Um, a big reveal. <laughs> a big reveal. A bit, well, I don't know. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be a big reveal. <laughs> well, I'm going to say what when anybody finds out about it, they are surprised. So I actually thought I was going to be a writer when I was a kid. And I have a master's degree in creative writing. Oh, nice. That yeah. is surprising for a litigator. Yeah. For and sure. I actually think that it, if you think about it, it does make sense because a litigator, when you're up in front of a jury, you're telling a story. Right. Um, and that has been a big focus of, I think, my firm's success is that I think we really work on telling a good story. You know, we, we believe that the jury is an audience um, and we need to, you know, show them why and tell them a good story because everybody likes a good story. So um, a compelling, but, a compelling story backed by data, right? Exactly. Backed by the facts. No one can argue that that's the most uh, meaningful and impactful and fastest way to uh, persuade and influence others, right? People buy yeah. on emotion. And then when they realized, you know, they bought, they want to be reassured by reason and, and yeah. data and facts. So that's good. That's great. You're my kind of person. Um, <laughs> Well, all right. Well, let me tell you, now is the time in the show where I ask the guest if they're game for the wild card question. And I pull a question out of a box of 144 questions. And I don't know what it says until I get it out um, of the box. So if you're game. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So here we go. Here is a great, oh, this is a great one. 
Advice you did not take, but wish you had. Advice I did not take, but I wish. Oh, that's a tough one. They are. Some of them are tough. Yeah. Um, and, and take your time. We have plenty of time. We're still, we're doing great. So I remember a long time ago, I was, I think, maybe a junior in high school and I was a very sort of, I don't know, driven student, you know, it was all about doing it right and getting to the next step and getting to the next step and getting to the next step. And, and I asked my dad, I was like, who was a very successful businessman. I was like, dad, you know, what, what, what do I need to do? Like, what, what is it that I need to do in college? You know, what should I be trying to achieve? And he kind of laughed and just looked at me and said, it's going to be great, whatever you do. So don't worry about it. And I was so wow. angry at that moment. I was like, that's just garbage, you know? <laughs> and I was like, what You're is that? You're a process that? person. You wanted I like, this. I wanted the thing, the thing yeah. I had to actually accomplish, right? And check the box for. And he's looking at me with this big smile on my face, like, yeah, you're going to be fine. So don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, dad, yeah. you know, I was really coming to you for something. And um, when I think about I it now, this. he was absolutely correct, right? right? But that's hard advice for someone who's, you know, at sort of what they call type A personality yeah. at yeah. a young age to to take. But I probably should have let up on myself a little bit, a little bit earlier if I had taken that advice. Well, I love this story. This is very powerful. So was your dad um, an extrovert a bit? Was he a feeler? Um, you know, cause that's a yeah. very esoteric In answer. You know, it's, it's a big answer, conceptual. And you seem like a very process person if you're a lawyer, right? So you want to know yeah. the steps. Yeah. So my parents uh, are art dealers. Uh, and oh, so, wow. So there was a mix of business and then sort of conceptual thinking at all times. Yeah. And a, and a love of, you know, things that some people think are superfluous, right? Beauty, right. you know, color, space, design. Um, so I grew up with a bit of both, which I actually do think has also helped me understand that, you know, things that people think is odd or weird or not how you do stuff can a lot of times end up being fantastic. Don't you uh, so, think that the world, or at least, you know, some people in the world are shifting to that? Um, they're, they're starting to appreciate EQ and uh, concepts and, you know, steps outside the rigid march that we would normally take in so-called professionalism? I do. And I think, you know, the, the industry that seems to have really pushed that along is tech, which is kind of odd, right? Interesting. But, yeah. But I think they've really, just because they're out of the box thinkers, they've sort of now become you know, proponents of out-of-the-box thinking in many different ways, right? You don't have to go to college, for example, right. right? You don't have to do it this way. We can wear hoodies all the time, whatever it is. But I mean, it's kind of bled into a lot of other um, areas besides just, you know, specifically tech, um, kind of a lifestyle, you know? Right. Um, they've talked about education in a different way now. And now they're, you know, older and they have more money and they're starting to have their own foundations and look into different areas. So I do think, yes, but I do think a lot of that wider acceptance of that kind of thinking has come from tech leaders. 
That's such an interesting, and I can see where you get that. Um, they are, you know, risk tolerant. They embrace risk, right? New ideas. Let's just try it. If it works, great. Yeah. We'll try again. Yeah, They're exactly. very innovative. Um, in times like these where the so-called normal has been just totally upended, it's, it's the perfect time for creative, innovative, out-of-the-box thinkers to emerge with you know, the courage to do new, new things differently. Right. So I can see how tech, like, I didn't think that way when you first said it, I was like, Hmm, but yeah, I can see how tech would be the birthplace of yeah. innovation and creativity and out of the box thinking. Um, I'm actually very close friends with, he's, he's my channel partner in my other business, uh, a CEO of R, the CEO of R squared. And he worked with Andreessen when they developed mm. Netscape. Um, and he, this is his fourth startup. He does this because it's a passion project. You know, he cares about DEI. Um, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't do it for the money. And of course, like I said earlier, nobody gets into DEI for the money, right? No. But um, no. his technology. <laughs> <it costs> money. <laughs> exactly. And he, he has found something, um, a way to measure inclusivity. So he's really? not. Yes, which we, you know, diversity is very quantitative, easy to measure, right? But inclusivity is almost impossible. No one's ever done it before. So um, he is my partner in, in the business that I, that I um, operate outside ah. of Freeman Beach business in my conscious inclusion company. But it's fascinating to see the work that they do and how they uncover, you know, people who are the sentiment of the company and each individual to an individual level, they're able to see who is toxic, who is um, uh, central to the success, who's the creative thinker, who is the connected one, who is, you know, through, mm. through um, and he uses natural language processing to do that. So he's amazing. And when you were telling that story, I'm like, that's so true. I mean, he's, he's not a PhD. He's a computer science guy, super right. genius, doesn't need the letters behind his name. Right. So that's a whole new way of, of looking at things the, all the boys of Silicon Valley, as the book is titled, um, ah. very much, um, are examples of what you just said. Um, I love that. I love what you just said. Everything. I love what your dad told you. And then you <laughs> figure it out. Right. He's like, go figure it out. You got this. You're going to yeah, get exactly. whatever happens. I know you're going to be fine. Um, yeah. And I can see as a young person, you're like, give me the steps. I need instructions. I don't want to deviate from the path. I want to be successful. Teach me how to get there. So I love that. All, yeah. all great. All great. Well, this has been my pleasure and you're a remarkable woman in so many ways. Um, you're not like most of the litigators I've ever interviewed or trained. And I like that. <laughs> it is. I tease my husband because he, he's military, um, as well as a litigator, oh as well as a CEO. So he reeks of old white leader. So I mm -hmm. call him an owl. He's an old <laughs> <laughs> and his wisdom. And I'm using air quotes when I say that. So I'm like, just because I don't speak owl doesn't mean I don't know who from what or what from whom or what's going on. Um, but you're awesome. And I want to let people know how to reach you in case they want to reach out to you. So how can they reach you? Uh, the best way is through uh, my firm. You can just go to our website, which is taftsattorneys.com, and my email's right there, and that's always the best way to reach me. I'm a little old school. 
That's fine. I'm, I'm big on email. Um, I just downloaded this app called Voxer and I thought it was the new hot thing. It's been around apparently for years. I just didn't know it. <laughs> but um, I will put that information in the blog that I write about you and I'll upload oh, your you. bio and a few pictures and I'll post that to my website probably within a week. I'll share it with you first, see if there's anything you want to add or change. And then we will share it on LinkedIn and I'll tag you. Well, Susan, thank you for creating this space uh, and inviting me into it. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I'm so impressed by you, I have to say, and what you're Aww. doing. And it's really critical work, so thank you. Thank you, thank you. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. Um, we'll talk soon, have a good day, bye-bye. Thank you.